0: My name is Josh, you're not used to seeing me around here probably, unless you've been around Door of Hope for a long time. I came and taught I think a couple months ago, so you might have seen me then. I'm actually a pastor at uh, the Door of Hope sister church, Door of Hope Northeast, which uh, one, one of the guys there, we have a, a group of guys who come from an addiction recovery program and he affectionately calls it DONI, you know. Um, Pip was just talking about the acronym, D-O-H, so he's like D-O-H, Northeast, DONI. So, and then, and then, I guess that makes you guys dozy. and uh, as I was thinking about that vacation Bible school, I was like, you could call that dough vibes, but I don't know where the I comes from, but dough VBS just kind of doesn't really work, so just call it dough vibes. Uh, I think that would be a cool way of uh, describing it. And thank you, um, by the way, thank you, Mark, and to the rest of the elders for, um, for saying something about what is happening. Um, I, when I uh, first heard... Uh, what had happened, it, it really did get close to my heart because I remember us, Door of Hope as a church, in that very building. Um, so it really was, was something that was like, oh, I feel like, I feel like this is attacking a part, a part of me. And so for some of you who might feel that way too, uh, please do what Mark said and read that article. It's on the Gospel Coalition website. I'm sure they're gonna post it somewhere so you can see it. But Michael Lawrence wrote a beautiful article. Um, Jesus said it was gonna be hard. Jesus said that people would hate us. And violence has been a part of our world since Cain and Abel. And so when we don't experience that sort of thing, we should give thanks to God for his grace. Um, Peace is not inevitable. It's not something guaranteed. Ultimately, it is by the Lord, but on this earth, uh, we live in a time of violence. So, anyhow, um, I am going to pray, and then we can get into it. Lord Jesus, I ask you, Lord, that you would use my frail and fumbling words and turn them into something... Turn them into something that can pierce hearts, that can transform lives. It is only by your Spirit that we can love those who hate us, that we can bless those who curse us, that we can even choose you, choose you over any other path. We need you to open our eyes. We need you to open our hearts so that we can see, so that we can see the good news of who you are, so that we can relinquish our lives, so that we can choose what is best over what is good or over even what is bad. Would you, by your Spirit, penetrate us now, Lord, and transform us? In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna start out with a story. I'll just read it. It's about a guy named Roy. Roy was a rock collector. That's, uh, that's Little Rocks, not... Uh, not like a collector of rock vinyl or something like that rock collector whose two sons had given him five dollars i am assuming this is five dollars each to buy a rock for them at a rock show once again keep in mind what kind of rock show this is uh, he found a potato-sized rock in a tupperware container with a lot of agates around it the sign said any stone 15 dollars." he picked up the potato-sized rock and said you want 15 dollars for this The man said, I'll give it to you for 10 since it's not as pretty as the agates. So Roy bought it and got a receipt and could hardly contain himself until he got outside. He had just purchased the largest known star sapphire, 1,509 carats, valued at $2.5 million uncut and $10 million cut. I bring up that story because I think it illustrates well what is happening in the parables that we're going to read today. This man saw something and he recognized its value and the guy who was selling it did not recognize that value. It's essentially what these two parables I'm going to read are about. You know, the Lord, when you come to the Lord Jesus, he messes with you. (laughs) He challenges you we come to him and we have different ways of valuing things in this world. And we all do it, all throughout every day. I mean, I, I was walking, I was going for a walk the other day. If you don't go for walks, you should, it's, it's a lovely thing. I was going for a walk and there was this sparrow that was ahead of me, who kept on, you know, I was walking and he kept on going on a little bit ahead of me, so I just stopped so I could watch him. And he was going around, he'd pick up something, drop it, go pick up another thing, he was trying to find just the right thing for, or she. He was trying to find something for the nest making valuations, making value judgments. This is worth taking. This is worth leaving. We do that all throughout our lives, all throughout every single day. We're making these value judgments as to what we will pursue. In fact, anything you pursue, you pursue it because you either recognize or assign value to whatever that thing is. That's why you pursue it. If you didn't, you'd pursue something else. Jesus, the Lord Jesus has a way of changing our values, what we value. Some, t- some of that happens immediately, some of that happens over time. These two parables are about what we value or the value of Jesus and his kingdom. They're found in Matthew 13. I don't think that uh, this was read, so if you have a Bible uh, or you have a Bible app, you can scroll uh, or use your search bar. No, no, sh- no shame in doing that. Uh, it's in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44 and going on to 46 now there are two parables here that are very very short and they're almost identical so um, i'm going to read them and then we'll unpack it for a little bit so matthew chapter 13 starting in verse 44 these are the words of jesus the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field Verse forty-five. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So this is interesting. Jesus is telling, uh, as Jesus is telling stories about buried treasure. When we think of buried treasure, we think of Pirates of the Caribbean, Blackbeard, whatever. But it's kind of funny that buried treasure is an ancient thing, like people burying their valuables. In fact, one of, the, one of the oldest treasure troves that was uncovered was in a town called Dor. That was on the, it's on the coast of modern-day Israel, and there was, a, I guess you'd call it a Canaanite city that was there uh, that was destroyed, and as they were unearthing, it was actually, it's actually underwater now, they were unearthing it. They came upon this, this pot, and inside of this jar were these individually wrapped bundles of silver. It was almost 20 pounds of silver. It's a lot. And that where they found it was under the floor of a house, somebody had dug a pit out and hid it there. This is a common thing. Once again, the world has always been violent. Um, People have always lived under the threat of some sort of invasion. For us, it's usually microbe sort of (laughs) invasion. But the invasion of, of other uh, people groups who want to come and take whatever it is they have. So to bury something was a common way of keeping your valuables. So this person buried this silver probably because some threat was uh, was near them, and it's actually from the 10th or 11th century BC, which was about the time that David was king of Israel and he actually expanded the kingdom to the coast. So it could even be um, that that was the threat that came that came about. So buried treasure. In this story that Jesus tells, though, he says a man just happened upon, happened upon treasure buried in a field. So keep in mind, no metal detectors, he's not like beep 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 ah, oh, found some buried treasure. Like that's that's not what happened. Probably this guy, somebody purchased a field and then hired a bunch of people to till that field. And one of the workers was tilling along and came upon it. That's probably what happened. And so what does he do? He takes it and he buries it somewhere else. He wants to keep it honest. You know, I'm going to keep it honest. I'm not just going to take it for myself. I'm going to bury it somewhere else in the proper, on the property. And then he recognizes he recognizes the value of this treasure, whatever it is. He knows that this is worth more than all of his other stuff. And that's why it says in his joy, in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has so he can buy that field in order to get the treasure. And then the second story, it's, it's not too dissimilar, right? It's, it's a man, uh, a pearl merchant, and he's in search of fine pearls, and he finds one big one that's so valuable, he says this is worth everything, meaning he probably sold all his other pearls, too. So the only difference, really, between these, other than the, the, actual, um, the actual circumstances in which they happen, is that the first guy just happened upon a treasure. He wasn't looking for it. The second guy was actually searching out for something of, something really valuable, and he found it. In both cases, what they do is they sell all that they have in order to acquire that one thing. Uh, in some, you could say, I, I read this as a commentator, I think this is a good um, summary of this, he says, um, both of these parables teach that the kingdom is a fortuitous fine deserving total investment kingdom is a fortuitous find deserving total investment now here's the question for us for you for me for all of us do we see it that way do we truly like i mean of course like if the test is is the kingdom more valuable than anything else you have we're going to be like yes it is but but think about those valuations you make throughout each day the judgments you make as to what is valuable. How are you going to spend your time? How are you going to spend your energy? How are you going to spend your life? Do we, by the way we act, recognize the value of the kingdom like this? Like, it's worth leaving everything. Well, my, um, my guess, my assumption is, if, if you're here and, uh, and you don't know Jesus, you're, you're probably going like, well, no. I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean the kingdom? Uh, what do you mean value? And if you're here and, you're, and you are a believer, you may have, uh, this is likely a struggle for you. It's a struggle to, to continue to recognize the value of the kingdom that will allow you then to let go of less valuable things in order to lay hold of it, in order to lay hold of Jesus and what he has for you. And this is, I mean, it's perfectly natural, right? We, we don't value the kingdom because we overestimate the value of other things, like the, the value of money, for example, the guy who finds the treasure, right? He finds the treasure, assuming it's like silver or gold or some sort of precious metal, something that's really valuable. And we, we instantly recognize the value of, of things like money, don't we, right? The guy's in the field, he comes upon this gold, let's say, and he's like, hey, you know what? I can get out of my crummy job as a field worker or whatever you know I could get out of this crummy neighborhood or this crummy house I don't have to deal with this boss anymore maybe I have security for the future I don't have to rely on my 401k I've got a I've got a pot of gold now whatever you want to call it so we have these things that we we value like security and we recognize that money can, in some sense, provide us for, with that, right? We, we don't actually recognize the value of, if you came upon a spiritual treasure, if I was to say to somebody, hey, I came upon a spiritual treasure today, what would you think? Probably be like, cool. That's kind of like, like me saying, hey, I wanna take my family out to dinner after church, could I borrow 50 bucks, I'll pay you back next week. So you give me the $50 and next week you're like, hey, I wanna take my family out, can you pay me back? And you're like, oh, I was gonna pay you back spiritually. Right? You, what, you, what you believe is, okay, I'm never getting my money back. You're actually not paying me back. Because we don't actually think that, like, spiritual treasure is a real thing. That's the truth. If we're truly honest with ourselves, we actually don't think that it's a real thing. But we actually, in some ways we do, though we don't call it, like, spiritual treasure, spiritual money, or whatever it is. So, for example... We all need that, we need that, that safety, that security, the 401Ks, so you go to the school and you get, then you get the internship and then you get the job and you, you do all the things you gotta do to, to build security in your life. But that's not the only thing we need, right? You need purpose, you need meaning, you need a reason to get up in the morning. And so we, you s- s- seek out the job for the, you know, it has to do with something that you really love, that really brings you meaning, whether that's helping people or, um, you know, I don't know, playing video games, maybe that gives you meaning, I don't know. But we do things, even having kids is a way of of creating meaning and value for ourselves. But not having meaning, not having a purpose, not having something to do, a reason to get up in the morning will kill you. It kills us. We can't live like that. And so we seek to find things to fill that need. Is that need any less real just because it can't be met by simply by acquiring money? Money can't buy you meaning. I don't know if you've noticed that. But look at the people who are, uh, you know, people who have a lot of money. They're, they're hopping from hobby to hobby to hobby to hobby to hobby to hobby to hobby. Next hobby, because they're trying to find something to do with their life. Now that they got all, all their money, they don't know what to do. The world isn't big enough for them. So to have purpose and meaning, you, you need to have something to give you that purpose and meaning. And sometimes, oftentimes, you can't get that just by coming upon some kind of treasure. Another thing we really need and really value, that is not material, is we need to be known. We need to be known, loved, accepted, affirmed for who you are, recognized as a valuable and unique person. And so we run up. this is usually met in terms of relationships. You get into a relationship, whether it's romantic or otherwise, it could even be within a community. But we need to be known, we need to be loved, we need to experience intimacy and money can't buy you that. You can buy associates. You can buy advocates. But you can't buy love. And you can't buy your way into a right relationship with people. If you, get into, if you have relational discord with your spouse or your siblings or your friends or your family, can you just be like, okay, I'm sorry, here, here's 10 bucks. It doesn't work that way. So that the, this actual like discord or harmony in our relationships that give us meaning, that give us identity, that make us known and loved and accepted, those are things that are not material. We need that. We actually need that. If you, in case you're wondering, they're, they're, you know, we have just horrific school shootings, mass shootings, things like that going on. And we have for a while. And the, the perpetrators of these things, we like to say, oh, they're just insane. They're just entirely crazy. And sometimes they are to do the things they do. But sometimes they're just somebody who doesn't have meaning, value, love, acceptance, confidence that there's a future and security for them. They're just like us. They're just like us. And the trouble is, the trouble is for us that as we go about life and we value security and and things that are going to last a long time, we value purpose and meaning and and love and relationships, the the trouble is, is whatever it is we're using to to fill those needs, it's going to end. It's not actually going to last. Think about whatever it is, you know, if you look at the stock market, you might be wondering about what's going to happen with your 401k, okay? Uh, You might be wondering about that. If you're married, you're not likely, it's not, it's not likely to be like the notebook, okay? One of you is gonna leave the other, okay? Whatever it is that we cling to to meet these needs will not last. And what Jesus is saying here is that the kingdom is like the one thing, if you could have this one thing that would fulfill all of those needs, that's this. Wouldn't it be worth giving up everything so that you could have all of those needs met? It's kind of like you know in the in the remember the movie The Matrix where he's like, take the red pill. I'll show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And if you take the blue pill, you can just forget all of this and go back to your meaningless existence. And it's it's almost like that. Like the kingdom is something that is either so valuable that it's worth leaving everything, or just forget it entirely. Okay, and when we come to when when we come to this sort of confrontation of values, we're like, okay, over here we got kingdom. Let's see, it does this, 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 this. Well, that's that's pretty valuable. But I really I really kind of love this, this, and this. I don't know if I want to let that go. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe to heighten it, well, to illustrate the tension, without you know raising mistakes. Imagine this. Imagine this scenario. It's hypothetical. I thought of this. What if the CDC came out and said we have a new drug? Or it's, a, it's like a vaccine. It's a one-time take, right? And if, if you take this, you will never lie again. You will not be capable of lying. You will not be capable of lying. But you will be okay. You'll be safe. You'll be secure. Your life, your life will be fine. But you will not be able to lie. You won't be able to get out of situations. You won't be Like, how many of us would take that pill? Would actually say, uh, I will take that and I will... I will take whatever comes, and I will not have the option to lie about anything. It's really hard, because, you know, someday your spouse is going to be 75, and they're going to say, how do I look, you know, and that might be dangerous, might be dangerous, I don't know if I'm going to be secure when that happens, right? This is, this is the tension that we should be feeling. We come to this, and it's like, wow, the kingdom is worth... Losing everything in order to acquire. And so we, we get there, we get to that point, and for most of us, my guess is you wrestle with this. You're constantly wrestling with this. You're like, okay, I, I know that the kingdom is, is valuable and that God's gonna provide security and meaning and all this stuff for me, but is he gonna do it? Can I, is that gonna be enough if I let go of whatever it is that's, that's currently providing that? And we're stuck. We spend our whole life trying to work this out. And if the gospel ended right here, if this was the gospel, Jesus just came and he taught us this, that's kind of where we would end up. That's where we would end up. Your whole life, you're just, you're just battling it out. But the gospel doesn't end here. That's the good news. The good news is that sounds like bad news actually when, when you first hear it, is that you can't, you can't buy this pill. You can't buy this kingdom. You can't buy that thing that's gonna give you all that meaning and value and worth and everything that you need. You can't buy that. Even if you were to give up everything, even if you were to be like these guys and go sell everything that you have, get rid of all your relationships, everything, and fling yourself on the kingdom, on on the king, on Jesus, it's still too valuable. You still don't have enough to buy it for yourself. But the good news is that the Lord knows that. And he bought it for you. Think about the things that you would have to give up if you, we actually took Jesus seriously. You know what Jesus gave up? To acquire the treasure that he was after. Which, by the way, what was the treasure that he was after? For the joy set before him he endured the cross. Somehow, somehow, in his valuation, we are that treasure in some degree. It's, it's crazy. That's, in my mind, I'm like, wow. Wow. That is unbelievable. Jesus leaves this perfect communion and fellowship with his Father where he's being worshipped and adored by angels. They're recognizing who he is, the value of who he is, how awesome he is, how glorious he is. And then he leaves all that to be confined to a human body to be a little baby who whines and cries and poops on himself and has to be washed and bathed and grows up and gets pimples and then gets, I don't know, sweaty and tired and has to deal with people who don't recognize who he is, who are like you and me, who just don't get it. He goes through all that. Not only that, but he goes, he goes to the cross. He actually goes through all of that. He gives up his right to just, to just be a human, to just live a normal life to just be okay. He gives up all of that so that he could go and die on a cross for you and for me. Now, if you're struggling with the, like, which one should I choose, maybe we should change the metaphor a little bit or, or take the next step and say, maybe it isn't just that we don't value the kingdom high enough. Maybe we don't actually trust the king. Maybe you don't actually take Jesus at his word when he says, this is worth leaving everything. Maybe we actually just don't believe him. You know, if you look, I don't know if anybody carries cash anymore, but on on your notes of cash, it's called a promissory note, right? And the promise is that there is actual silver or gold somewhere to back up this note. You're actually living in trust that this, piece of paper actually has value. And this is why in Christianity the essence is not mere obedience but faith. You have to actually, actually truly believe Jesus. You have to take him at his word. That is, you have to be able to do something supernatural. This is not possible for us to do on our own. It's actually not possible. So, the good news is Jesus has done it for you. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all for you. So now you can embrace him. You can embrace him. And as you do, as you embrace him, all the other things that we cling to for our value and our security, your 401k, your job, whatever it is, your family, Those things can start to appear like those $15 agates. And that ugly potato rock can be seen as the sapphire that it really is. You guys following me? The Lord has your best in mind. My best in mind. Here's what's amazing about God. God's love is not like ours. Our love goes out towards things that we see as valuable. That's one of the things that I had mentioned earlier. God's love actually goes towards things that are not the true, the good, and the beautiful. Because God is the source of all of those things. Then God can't acquire those things to build himself up like we do. We, we're attracted to what is true, what is good, what is beautiful because we recognize a lack in ourself and we want to acquire that, to possess it, to build ourselves up. God doesn't need that. God wants to build us up and so he has to go forth and give and give and give. That's what his love does. God did all of this. Jesus did all of this for the joy that was set before him, a joy that is innate to himself. It's not just that he values us. He's a joyful God. It's this kind of God. And if it's this kind of God who's saying, trust me, trust me, believe me, there's nothing like this. It's worth everything. It's worth everything. You can trust him. Do you, do you see that? Are you starting to see it? You can trust Jesus. You know, trust is something in our, in our society that is rapidly breaking down. It's actually going to be the thing that makes things fall apart or hold together I read a book a long time ago by uh, oh my goodness I can't even remember his name (laughs) it's called uh, uh, Study in Civilizations and um, he was talking he studied 22 living and dead civilizations and he was talking about what it was what were the signs of the breakdown and I'm telling you we got all of them got all of them around us right now but you know what the Christians have survived survived several of those civilizations that broke down, and we will too. We will too. We can trust Jesus. You can trust him. If you want a practical step, where to move from here, I would say, right now, pray Pray that the Lord would open your eyes, would open your heart to see the value of him and his kingdom, to see the relative value of the things that we hang on to. That you would actually be able to become the kind of person who says, okay, I'll let it go so I can have you. And the next step is talk to somebody. Talk to someone here about it. There's gonna be people in the back here and over by the, um, by the coffee area to pray with you. Go Pray with somebody. Pray with a person that you came with. Let them know because the way that our faith grows is not just our private, pious activities of reading the Bible or praying or whatever, but it's by sharing with one another, talking with one another, being a family. you know that you were saved? Not just so that you could have a private relationship with God. You were saved into a family in which you share your life. It can be weird and it can be awkward to say, here's what's going on in my heart. Here's what the Lord is doing. Here's what I'm struggling with. Yeah, that can be weird and awkward, but that's how you grow. That's how we grow together. Another way in which we grow is by giving. Can you trust the Lord to take care of you, to take care of all of your needs? Can you trust him to take care of your finances? It's funny, if, if you were to think about what does, have you ever thought, what does God think about money? What does God think about that? It used to be that money was largely in materials like gold and silver, precious metals, other, other materials like silk and whatnot. That's where, uh, that's where money, the money was. But do you know that all those things are simply values given by human beings to those precious metals? Does God look at gold and be like, wow, that's super cool. Wow, that's so valuable to me. You know, that is not how God looks at money. See, we are, the way we evaluate things is relative. The way that he evaluates things is true, is, is, is the actual correct way to evaluate things. So, uh, I would encourage you to look at your own gold and uh, ask the Lord what he would want to do with it. Ask him what he would want to do with it. Uh, we have giving boxes here if you want to give some to the church and continue the ministry that's going on here. This isn't, I'm not getting paid <laughs> by that if you give. Um, I'm not going to get paid any more money if you you give here. But it's good for your heart. It's one of the ways in which you can let go and trust, trust that his kingdom has a higher value than whatever else we're wanting to put our money towards. Well, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask Evan and the worship team to come up. And Uh, I'm going to pray that the Lord would really meet us in the rest of this time. Father, Lord, I'm reminded of of that Keith Green song. I wish I would have asked him to play it. Uh, Make my life a prayer to you. I want to do what you want me to. No empty words, no white lies, no token prayers, no compromise. I want to die and let you give your life to me so I might live and share the hope you gave to me, your love that set me free. Lord Jesus, would you open our eyes and our hearts so that we can see That what we've come upon in you is so, so precious and so valuable that it's worth losing everything for, Lord. That it is so precious to us. Lord, the world can come and bash the windows out of our buildings. They can burn it to the ground. They can take all of our things, but they cannot take you. You're the only thing that will last. Help us to see it. Help us to see it, Lord Jesus. By your grace, Lord, move us, draw us into yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.